Hello, this is ASEAN Movie Pulse number, ASEAN Movie Pulse Talks number 21. Uh, I'm Panos and I'm here with Adriana, Tom and Marco. And uh, today we're gonna ride the wave of Asian cinema this year, which all points towards Drive My Car, Oscar nominations, awards all over the world, screening in cinematics again all over the world. Let's see what all the fuss is about. Marco, gonna tell us a bit about the story? I mean, like the, the story of Drive My Car is pretty basic, but it's actually not a film about the story. It's about the mood. Uh, it's about a theater actor and director. Uh, facing a tragic loss of his wife and taking a gig in uh, Hiroshima, uh, directing uh, Chekhov's Uncle Vanya. And uh, he has been assigned a driver, a female driver, uh, who is also a bit of a wounded soul like him. So two of them connect in a um, platonic friendly way. Let's say it's that way. Yeah, well, I guess that's it more or less. It's more than three hours film, but that's it more or less. <laughs> As you said, it's about the mood. So uh, let's start with the obvious question. Tom, what do you think, why do you think is the film so successful? Um, I don't know. It, it, it was something that we were talking about before recording. It, it, it's, um, it's, I think it's a bit of a critics movie, so I can understand why it's been so well received. Um, you alluded to the sort of festival circuit and how it picked up so much notice on there. Um, I mean, it's a very good film. I don't think anyone would say that it isn't. You know, technically, it's gorgeous looking. It's brilliantly acted. There's a lot to dig into under the surface. I just think it, it's very conversation worthy, which is probably why it's generated so much interest that it's, it's why we're doing this recording today. So, Andrea? Mm -hmm. Um, uh, well, I, I think that it's very popular also because it touches some uh, some issues that are very uh, common. Like uh, it's a film about um, okay grieving, but it's also a loss. But it's also a film about communication between human beings, and uh, our life is made of communication uh, or miscommunication with other human beings. And the, and the film is about the, the difficulties that we have uh, communicate and knowing uh, fully the other people. So I think it's something that is sort of touch a bit uh, uh, everybody. Uh, and, and yes, it's a film uh, for critics in a way because it's very worthy, because it's very uh, slow, uh, slow <clears throat> sorry, it's slow burning and also very long. There is maybe the most controversial thing. Uh, but uh, it, it is, uh, is uh, yeah, I think this is 
<clears throat> Marco? It, I think it's it's successful because it, it might not be a masterpiece, but it's a masterwork. Uh, so it's so well made, it's so well written, it's so meticulously directed, and it gives uh, another dimension to, to the art of cinema, like reminding us that cinema is not just uh, visual art, the art of spectacle, uh, but also like uh, dramatic art and uh, with with roots in in literature. <laughs> well, I have more of a conspiracy theory actually because I really think this was uh, something that uh, Hamaguchi and his producer really planned. It was like let's say Parasite did it its success by appealing to the audience more probably, and also more than the critics, I mean, and more than the festival crowds, let's say, and also because it managed to be very impressive and also being uh, having some interesting social commentary that everybody could understand, even if they didn't know about Korean society that much. What uh, Hamaguchi tries to do with Drive Makaris to go to reach the same goal, but going through the critics and the festival circuit, which is essentially a European festival goers, let's say, because, okay, the biggest festivals are obviously in Europe with Cannes and Venice and Berlin and Rotterdam and whatever. So what he does is, okay, he has a Japanese film, which is very much European on a number of levels. You have like, they drive a sub, right? It's like, as I was reading, apparently there is a sub club in Japan, but there must be around 100 sub cars in Japan. So it's not exactly common for people to drive sub on the street. Also, you have, okay, there is this moment where the the director and his driver are sharing a smoke of the roof of the car, which is like friends who probably adore that scene. <laughs> and then you have, okay, the Japanese director uh, directing a, a European stage play. There is this thing about one protagonist cannot speak, others are speaking different languages, which also looks like anti-racist and how art can appeal to every every month, which also seems very something that European festivals would very much like. And uh, okay, uh, this does not mean that the film is not great, it's pretty great, but for me it's also pretty obvious what he wanted to do and also maybe, okay, his whole path, like his last movies were aiming towards this moment and I think he did something really smart and I'm sure he will succeed. Okay, this is not, obviously will not get as much awards as Parasite did, but it will be like almost equally successful. So that's my take on Drive My Car. Uh, apart from that, however, uh, okay, th there is one scene I want to, a number of scenes I want to discuss. Okay, the director, in the beginning, uh, goes inside his house and sees his wife having sex with one of the actors. He introduced her, actually, if I remember correctly. 
So, but what he does is just, he goes away, he doesn't say anything and just lives. What, what do you think about this scene, Adrian? Uh, well, I... Well, I think that it's, 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 it's very credible in a way. I mean, it's this uh, refusal of, 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 the, of the reality. And uh, uh, there, there is also uh, it's something that goes back when in, in the film uh, uh, there are all these lines of, of, of Uncle Banya's uh, play uh, when he recited in the car or when the, the actors uh, do the rehearsal. Um, or it, uh, there are many uh, of the lines that uh, um, hint to uh, the, the truth and the fact that if it's knowing the truth or not knowing the truth, uh, which one is better. And I think that this is the bit what he, he did with this problem and he tried to uh, not to see this. And this, this, this um, is sort of a, it's a bit of in parallel with the, the story of, of him uh, losing the sight of one eye. Uh, and um, it's a sort of metaphor of him. Uh, you know, he can still see, but he hasn't got a lateral um, scene, you know, uh, view. Uh, and uh, he's missing lots of things. He's missing his wife, uh, uh, lovers, he's missing, missing in the sense that he doesn't see uh, he doesn't see uh, what is in her mind, why she chose another man, and why is um, uh, and, and the fact that they, she, she's betraying him. <clears throat> uh, so yeah, I think it's uh, um, it but goes realistic yeah, or not. I, I think so. I think the maybe more, more men than you think <laughs> uh, have similar experience. Or try not to see something. Tom? Something painful, sorry. No, I, I think um, it's difficult to kind of dissect the film sort of scene by scene because for me, at least watching it, it was so much more about the kind of journey overall mm -hmm. of the film. And I think part of the intrigue of the narrative and what works about it and what works with the pacing as well is that when you see that scene so early on, you kind of question it yourself, you know, like, well, why wouldn't you say anything? Or is he just in shock or blah, blah, blah. But then obviously like revelations later in the story and we find out that this isn't the first time and that it's something like you, as we learn more about um, Yusuke, we kind of can understand that opening scene more. So it, it, I find it difficult to look at it in isolation because um, I think the context that comes later um informs it so much but i like i like how the film kind of keeps you engaged in that way and it it, it kind of is changing your perspective on the characters and their motivations and their way of thinking as you're finding out more about them and i, I feel like all of those revelations are made very organically um which again kind of lends itself to the methodical pacing and just the kind of gentle lull of the film in general. Very profound, Tom, but <laughs> what I wanted to ask is, okay, what would you do in his stead? You go inside the house and you find your girlfriend having sex with another man. What would no, you do? No, I'd be human. I'd be human. <laughs> okay, okay. Be <Marco>. human. 
Uh, which question? Well, the... both. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, the real question of the scene is: Does it work in the in the movie? And it does. It's uh, it's a perfect hook. Uh, it gets us engaged, and the next sequence or like a couple of sequences after that we see the or we are informed in 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 some way about the death of his wife uh but it's just you know like it's it's kind of chekhovian in the way i mean like the the whole thing of her uh dreaming of stories and being able or unable to to tell to to the full i mean like it's um it's 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 a it's a wonderful way to not to open the film but you know like to to set one of the main threads yeah also the the the, the fact that he uh, if he find out this inf the, the wife infidelity and then he sort of run away it leads to the fact that he run away from a discussion with her which then leads in the fact that she sure. uh, she died and she he probably wouldn't have you know happened if he was there if he, so uh, it's all uh, a bit like a complex uh, uh, twist there, and the first act of the of the film, <clears throat> which is for then the the, the prequel. You know, yeah, it's, it's a strange first act uh, for a, for a, for a screenplay, but very effective, I think. <clears throat> the first then, then, act actually actually functions functions as a movie on its own. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, um, kind of longer, short, or like a mid-length movie, or an episode of a mini series, whatever, on its own. It also gives you the idea when you start to watch the movie that you are watching one film and then all of a sudden you are in another film, mm -hmm. but it's not a very uh, it, it's a bit disconcerting, but it's not a negative feeling in a way. It works. <laughs> in a... Yeah, it's a brilliant. It's a brilliant prelude, and it it the fact that it's so long, it's essential for setting up the rest of the narrative. Like it, it's so important for everything else that happens, and obviously the new characters introduced and the different conversations that happen and the new relationships that are sort of established. But it, it all kind of comes down to that opening chunk which is where we sort of end up with at the end as well especially with Yusuke's sort of character resolution I think also it signifies the beginning of a kind of uh, demasculinization let's say or the deconstruction of the protagonist because okay, after this he, he's not anymore he's not like a lover let's say this part of his character is not there anymore then uh, his wife dies, so he's no longer a husband. Then uh, he loses, he starts losing his eyesight. So maybe he doesn't, another aspect of his is missing. And then he also cannot drive, 
which okay we all know sometimes it's very important for men to drive you know so a kind of deconstruction begins from that scene for me it's actually explains some of his later actions and i think it's a really good start although i have to say that uh, some of my greek friends regarding this scene they all said ah oh, how japanese of him he goes and sees his wife having sex with someone else and just leaves okay but i guess that's a cliche who knows what anyone would do in this situation but okay okay and um, well, for me, maybe the biggest, it's not exactly a fault, but I think it's an aspect that could have been handled better is his relationship with uh, her lover. For me, it's a bit, I don't fully understand it, how he becomes friends with him. And I'm not sure if he has him play the role in his play because he wants revenge and then becomes friends with him or... It's something completely else. I'm not sure about that. What do you think, Tom? I think I think it ties into what you were just saying a second ago about Yusuke sort of being emasculinated. Um, the two of them, certainly in their early relationship, after his wife's passing, it, they are almost having this kind of like macho off with each other, where it's like he he's sort of viewing him as the man who his wife chose even if it was even if it was just sort of as part of an affair you know not in terms of like long term or anything but it i think i think it's sort of out of morbid curiosity that he casts him and i wouldn't even say befriends him but just kind of gets to know him because he's he's still trying to answer that question himself of why she's had an affair and what maybe uh koshi's got that he's lacking and it, it's a very strange relationship that they develop. But I, I kind of like the fact that it w- wasn't clear cut because most of the time in life, you have a lot of relationships that aren't very clear cut. You know, it, it, it's easy in, in cinema to sort of define people's relationships with one another. But I, I like that it was a little bit more. Marco? Uh, well, um, I don't. I'm. 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 I'm, I'm not sure. Um, I mean, like, uh, I think. I think Hamaguchi was playing with our expectations because you know, like, uh, the unwritten roles of movie dramaturgy would be. Uh, that uh, we would probably expect uh, revenge or or something or like at least an attempt of revenge or maybe a closure, maybe an insight why um, one would why why. Um, would a uh, director cast uh, his wife's lover? But yeah, I mean, like, gets his comeuppance though. Hmm? Do you not feel that he gets his comeuppance? Yeah, yeah. I mean, at like, the end of it, like, the, 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 there is sort of a he gets what's coming to him in a way, but it's just not in the way that that we expect. Like, Yusuke isn't as malicious a character sure 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 
so I mean, like uh, it's probably one one of the human mysteries. Um, but as I said, it's it really it it really works and it keeps us engaged even with uh, all those repetitions in uh, in the rehearsals and all the subplots uh, most of them lead to to nowhere but actually it's it's about the protagonist uh, learning how to live in a way, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. how to live a new life, or how to how to live. Yeah, because before uh, I'm not sure if he lived a life. Adriana, about the relationship of the two men? Well, yeah, it's it's a weird one. I, I thought it was quite interesting. I, I mean, it, it's a sort of uh, strange uh, and male intimacy uh, for sharing the same lover, in a way. Uh, but there is a, an element of, of I think, of, of revenge in, in a way, like a sweet revenge. Uh, you know, for example, you know, he decided to cast uh, the, the young actor as Evania, uh, despite you know the the, the age difference. So there is is huge. And he really doesn't doesn't look like Evania, and also he's, he's not a, a very experienced actor. So it, it sounds very much like an attempt to put him in an uncomfortable position. Even um, to humiliate him. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And uh, in, 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 the, in Murakami's uh, story, the, the, he admits, um, talking with the, you know, the, the, with the driver, he admits that, uh, that it was a, a sort of a punishment. Um, and not in, not in the film so, uh, so openly, but clearly there is a... a um, there is an element of that, but I think that there is also like an, a, a, a subconscious uh, attraction for someone uh, that, that knows another another aspect of, of his wife in a way. Um, I also think there is a kind of element of revenge that goes even beyond the movie, like a meta level of revenge, because the director and I think Murakami also has this guy being, okay, he's, he's not a good actor. It's proven again and again. Then uh, he's also kind of an asshole because he's violent and he has very violent tendencies. And uh, in the end, there is this discussion in the bar and uh, uh, Yusuke tells him some things about his wife that he couldn't ever know, that like highlighting that his intimacy was much more than the actor had with her. And also considering his end, it's like the ultimate, the ultimate revenge for this character who dared have sex with his wife because everything went to hell for him after that, I guess. Mm -hmm. So yeah. maybe there is a bit of a spite there. Can I, can I just on that, like, I, I, I don't know if I am 
on my own in this, but I, I really don't see the revenge part of it at all. Like I, I, I take I take that on board completely, but I, I think I don't. I think he's just got this fascination with him. I think Yusuke has got this fascination with Koji, and I even feel that the two mirror each other in in some aspects because Koji's like a younger actor, and the fact that Yusuke casts him as Vanya, which is the role that he ultimately takes at the end of the film and the role that he had taken when they'd performed the play before him casting him in a role that he himself took. It's almost like he's and critiquing him for it. It's almost like he's observing him within the role, but as a person also, I, I, I do think that there's this fascination to just learn more about Koshi. And yeah, there's definitely some elements of spite in there where, where, you said uh, Panos about him him talking about Yusuke's own intimacy with his wife and how Koshi could never have had that, but I don't. I, I just feel like Yusuke's trying to to be more spiteful than he really feels, and it, it kind of goes with the rest of the film. Is like, is there even any point in acting out some kind of revenge anymore because he, his wife is dead and it's been? It, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I think it's been two years since. She's part yeah. of something like that, yeah. Yeah, it's it's like it it's been a couple of years, and it, is there even really any point? Um, and then in the end, Koshi sort of self-destructs himself. Like every it it's a uh, Yusuke who tells him sort of to you know calm down and to not be that violent person, and it's Koshi ignoring it. He almost tries to mentor him in some way. So it's it's a very odd relationship um, from our perspective because. I think Marcos, like you were saying earlier, like from a film, you expect the the kind of aha, like I got you back sort of moment, and it, it doesn't really happen that way. Mm-hmm. I think what I wanted to say is that the revenge for me happens in a level outside of the film, essentially. I mean, let's just say that Murakami or Hamaguchi are identifying with uh, the uh, the director Yusuke, let's say. So, okay, what happens in the end is uh, uh, his wife cheats on him with this actor and she dies and he goes to prison. So <laughs> the revenge is on another level, but, you know, maybe it's kind of a message, don't have sex with the director's writer's wife because bad things will happen to both of you or something <laughs> like that. Okay, yeah, but okay, maybe I'm going too far, but for me that was just like a fun, a fun. No, moment. no, no. I, I think I think it's it's part of the part of the joy of the film and part of the reason why it's so conversation worthy is that there's so much to kind of unpick and ways to interpret it. It's really fun. Like, well, I guess the other very interesting relationship is between uh, Yushiki and the driver. What do you think about that, Marco? I mean, like uh, it. It starts as, um, you know, like for him, it's uh, maybe one of his first defeats or his first uh, times to accept a defeat. He cannot drive anymore. Um, So he is not too willing um, to... You know, like uh, he does it for the project to keep him alive in a way. Uh, but it 
it develops it uh, it defies the class prejudice let's say because the the driver comes from much uh, more modest background um she's not educated let's say the way he is um but she's kind of um content with with life and she really appreciates the freedom of it so it's uh, i mean like it's also uh, it's probably the the central relationship in the film uh learning to to live you know and and it burns very very slowly uh until uh the the big opening up moment that kind of um marks the the emotional climax in the third act like hearing her story yeah etc etc yes yeah that, that that would be it from 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 my point of view i mean like the that take on on friendship and learning to move on moving on mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah i would also like to welcome grace who joined us from san diego grace we are talking about the relationship between the, the director and the driver mm. would you like to say something about that what do you think about that relationship Mm. Um, I think that, yeah, I think it is definitely a slow burn. And I think I, I definitely agree with Marco on that. And I also think that their relationship feels more accentuated somehow, perhaps because it is also a pandemic film. And so we see, and so much of the environment has melted away because of that. There's so little like other extras on the sides and there's so little other cars and, and like the drone shots of, Uh, the roads so I think in a way because of the quiet of the overall world almost just seeing the two of them interact with each other even outside of their car it almost feels like that they are the only two who really matter so I think that yes I think that their chemistry is great um between Ishijima and Miura but I also think um that the conditions of which the film was filmed in uh, are really conducive to making that relationship pop out even more than it would have been anywhere else or any other time. Tom? Yeah, no, I totally agree. And just adding to that, one of the things that I love most about sort of the final third of the film is these big wide open spaces where the two of them are just walking around. Um, but the, the, there's quite wide shots where it's kind of exaggerating the point that it's, just about those two you know and especially when we have like Marco said that big sort of opening up scene it's such a sort of vast white landscape 
but it's just about the two of them and that conversation. And um, yeah, I wish, I, I do wish that the um, relationship between them took a bit more precedence uh, earlier on in the film. I do feel like it's sort of that final third where it really starts to become of relevance. Um, but in those earlier parts, I do think that Misaki sort of acts as like a audience substitutes in some regard because she's kind of observing Yusuke as much as we are when he's reciting his lines in the car. Um, we're sort of waiting for his rehearsal scenes to end because they don't add an awful lot narratively. They're just sort of very calming and methodical to watch, at least in my opinion. And then she's sort of waiting for him outside and it's sort of like, okay, this is where we pick up his development, if you like. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I like the relationship between them very much. I like that it's very wholesome. Um, and again, a bit like between Yusuke and Koshi, it's much more realistically depicted than it is cinematically depicted. Whereas it's not a traditional sort of concrete black and white film relationship that they have. It's a lot more sort of nuanced and there's more to it. It's not very clear cut, um, but I, I appreciate that about it a lot. I think it's uh, one of the greatest aspects of the film, the fact that he manages to keep that relationship non-romantic at all in a very convincing way, because the whole premise of the relationship actually leads to that, usually in cinematic terms. They are for too long by themselves, okay? There's a man and a woman, and they open up about their past and at the same time during the end they really open up and they have a moment where they hug and everything but you never feel that there is something else beyond bonding there beyond friendship which is really i think it was really difficult to handle but yeah. i guess hamaguchi handled very convincingly it doesn't feel strange it's very organic let's say i would uh, actually oh. it's sorry actually it's it's about power uh, she is as a person she is more powerful than he is uh, because she has her freedom uh, she gained her, her freedom and uh, she does not need him to, to heal her or to, I don't know, to, to, to use him to climb on the ladder, whatever, you know, like, uh, and uh, he needs her for the humane perspective. And uh, actually the, the position of a director in movies or theater or, or whatever, it's uh, one of the rare uh, like uh, dictatorial positions that are um, in accordance to, to like social conventions. So for him, actually, like for, for his job, for his line of work, or at least, uh, one of two his lines of work he's also an actor it's all about power 
it's all about power and it's all about um, control in a way. And uh, it is probably probably the first time in his life he lets himself be guided and governed by someone, by someone else's experiences. Yeah. I think that's so interesting to point out. Um, if we just think about like the positioning of uh, Nishijima and Miura throughout the film, right? Like even if Miura is in the front seat and she's driving and then Nishijima is in the back, like that in and of itself is kind of ambiguous of a power sort of relationship, right? Like she is guiding him and he is relenting and he is allowing her to do what he usually likes to do. But at the same time, a chauffeur, I guess, hierarchically speaking, generally is not always beyond or before the customer or the passenger. And so that power relationship, I think, oscillates almost. And then when we see them at the end, standing right next to each other in front of Miura's old home, I think that's when we finally see them on the same plane. And they are not just bonded or friends but they're almost made equal i think no i i would I totally agree sort of with both points the 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 fact that yeah she's in control in the sense that she she is driving she's sort of taking him where she's in control of where they're going but on the other hand not really because she's taking him where he needs to go but there's there's sort of that balance there um i would say i would say that she does need him to heal as much as sort of he needs her. And just off the back of what you said, Panos, as well, the fact that it, it doesn't turn into a, a romantic relationship, but it also doesn't really turn into a father-daughter relationship either, which it kind of threatens to at one point, because um, I think she, she's around the same age as... Uh, or, or would His daughter that passed away would have been the age that she is. The kind of tease almost that that could happen but it still doesn't really I, I kind of just see it more as they're both people who have dealt with troubling loss and have struggled to come to terms with processing it and their role in it uh, and I think Adriana said earlier the fact that Yusuke runs away from that confrontation with his wife which ultimately he could have prevented her dying potentially had he been there um and misaki left her mother to die in the house like she she had control in that situation they've sort of got this weird parallel um i think because of their unique situations they kind of needed they're, they're the perfect two people to help each other get over it in that way but it doesn't need to be anything more than that um, which, like we were saying earlier as well, it, it's very difficult to achieve that on screen because we're expecting it to either be a father-daughter or a romantic relationship or something of that nature. And it's just not. It's just two people, you know. And I think you could you could reverse the genders of them both as well and the relationship would be exactly the same. Yeah. yeah. Adriana, about the relationship, driver and director... You are on mute. 
I think you're still muted. Yeah, you're still muted. Okay, okay, let's wait for a bit. Mm -hmm. Okay, I guess in, uh, in light of what you are saying, maybe we can say that the director wants someone to drive his car in the end. That's what he needed, you know, <laughs> to be yeah, I mean, someone to take him from the hand and drive him somewhere. Yeah, Mark? It's it's the very ending. I mean, like the, the, the very ending when he gives up his car to her. Mm -hmm. And yeah. she she is the new owner of the car, and it's it's not just a thank you parting gift, you know, like it's it's not that kind of gesture. Yeah, yeah. it's like a completely new life for him. Mm -hmm. um, founded on acceptance of the things he lost. Adriana? Yeah, can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay, finally, sorry. Yeah, no, exactly. I was saying that, you know, the fact that he, she's driving his car is a, is a very obvious symbolism of, of, of trust. Uh, and so, yeah, it's a very slow burning because it's the it's the it's a relationship that, that lasts almost the whole length of the film, and they very slowly, very slowly, slow, like Tom was saying, there are two people that have some uh, some lots of pain inside, uh, and and uh, and 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 so slowly they they start, they they open up and and. Uh, uh, and and they, they, they start to trust each other, uh, and so and in the end they they have for the whole film a very uh, sort of coldish, very severe posture that sort of melt away at the end with the, the with the cathartic uh, uh, revelation at the end, and um, so yeah, and the, the, there is a scene where <clears throat> where he, he see um, from a distance. Uh, her taking care of the car, you know, and and you know, folding very carefully the, the cover of the car, and and he's sort of taken aback because he's is 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 like someone is taking care of him, uh, and and he start to let go in a way, you know, and start the trust. So, okay. yeah. Okay. And uh, regarding, uh, I guess the other very interesting character and concept is of the film is the, the mute actress who also happens to be the wife of one of the producers, which is, I don't know, a bit cheeky there, <laughs> a comment there on how the favorite, industry works, you know. Favorite <laughs> reveals in the film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, I'm only joking. But uh, what do you think about that, Tom? I, it's my favorite reveal in the film. It's it's such a kind of light-hearted moment, and I think Yusuke even chuckles when he sort of sees her standing in the driveway. It's just kind of like, yeah, I, I don't I don't think too much on her character in particular, in particular to be honest. And I don't know if that's just a deficiency on my part, but it wasn't one of the major takeaways I had from the film. So I don't know if someone else um, can delve into her specifically a bit more. Yes. Um, I, I thought it was interesting, her, the presence of her character, rather than just like the reveal, I think was interesting on two parts. 
Um, I think I thought it was interesting to see two films that have made it to the Oscars this year about just wordlessness and overcoming communication. The other one being Coda. And then I thought it was interesting too to see this character, um, not just because of her, uh, I, I guess not just because of her um, deafness, but also because of her relationship to Koreanness and how much of that she also represented as well. Um, primarily because this film, I think, was also supposed to be filmed in Busan, right? And I think Hamaguchi had also filmed or was really said that in interviews that he was really excited about working with other Korean actors and actresses before as well. So I thought, yeah, rather than her reveal, I thought her mere presence was really interesting and how much impact that she had on the production was really interesting as well. Marco? Uh, well, um, I, I don't have much to, to add here. I mean, like, uh, uh, it's one of the subplots. It's a very endearing one. Um, um, and also, like, um, one of the uh, mysteries of life, but also, I mean, like, it kind of works with, uh, with the, the stage production they are, they are trying to, to make. I mean, like, uh, a young and a bit hammy actor for Uncle Vanya, um, actors of different backgrounds acting uh, in different languages and of course like the the, the handicap as the as the, the final taboo uh, that needs to be broken uh, in a way uh, I'm pretty certain that nobody actually attempted that kind of stage production, you know, like uh, combining uh, the, the the hearing actors and uh, foreigners, I guess, and and deaf actors, um, combining different languages. Well, maybe that. I mean, you can always subtitle subtitle a part of. Yeah. I would, I would just say sorry that I, I found her. Um, I guess it's not really the, a speech at the end, but her, her final sort of sign scene during the uh, stage production. I thought that was very sort of mm. visually striking and memorable and different because it, it's completely silent, but it's kind of this very profound bit of. Again, it's not dialogue, but just this very profound sort of speech that is sort of reflecting on the film as a whole, but it's completely silent. But it, it, I just found that that whole scene to be very striking. Cinderella? Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the final, <clears throat> the Sonia's final monologue, it, it's, it's beautiful in, you know, also because uh, uh, it, it pays off and it brings together all the 
all the lines that we've been listening for the whole film and the fact that it's silent is, is, is quite amazing, but so uh, warm. And uh, the, the character, yeah, it's, it's an interesting character. And um, also, I don't know if that uh, goes with the, with Panos' uh, uh, <laughs> big, big uh, you know, what you were saying at the well, you need to have a minority there to appeal to European festival, so... <laughs> yeah. Definitely, he's consciously taking on some more transnational aspects, you know, that you can't deny that. But anyway, no, the character is very interesting, and yeah, the reveal is nice because it's... Is together with the with the the final you know the cathartic moment. They are for me the two very warm moments of the of the film, which sometimes is is as I said before, is a bit it can be a bit icy at times. So yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and I just want to build off of Tom very quick. Um, and thinking about the presence of this character, I think that. And Sonia's monologue, I, I think that her gestures in the end also emphasize um, the silent gestures and body language of Nishijima and Miura as well. Um, and I think that again comes forward because this is uh, such an intimate film and it's so much about inner relationships. So. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess the whole thing touches also on this meta level that's also very popular now because since we have a movie about the stage play, okay, it's one of the aspects, but it's one of the, the central ones. And uh, and what Marco said, I don't think that this production, this theater production would be viable in reality, but at the same time, uh, Hamaguchi does it on cinema, like having a movie about a stage play where one actress is deaf, mute, and one and two are foreigners, and the whole thing, which like highlights his directorial abilities, I guess. Uh, I mean, okay. you yeah. you you said something about uh, uh, like needing to to have a minority, uh, actually. Uh, it, it's not obvious from the movie, but it is obvious from, I mean, like the, the lore of Japan, that it's pretty uh, closed up and, you know, like conservative society. Uh, and I mean, like already casting a, a, a Korean in Japanese, um, stage production or or movie or whatever is actually really it's right. really brave move. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, I guess before we close though the story, I have two questions for all of you. Okay, there are a lot of characters in the movie, but if you were to go with for a drink with one of them, who would it be, Tom? Um, I'm gonna go with Koshi. Koshi, yeah. Have a great yeah. night out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. drink, chat, maybe a punch up. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, well, uh, be before answering, I wanna I wanna say the one thing I really enjoy of this movie is the fact that the characters are so well developed, you know. And mm -hmm. I think, um, uh, you know, when in in script writing, you always you, you always should write down like a backstory of the character to to even if it doesn't happen in the film because you to to to, to give it more depth and and flesh. But I think the 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 here, you know, he wrote uh, like a three-hour film for each of the characters, and then boiled down to to only three hours of film. Um, so um, uh, for a drink, I would go with the driver. Yeah, Grace. Yeah, I mean, I'm boring. I would also go with Misaki. I I think that perhaps because we're similar in age, we get along really well. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, for drink, I would go with the the dead one, with uh, Otto, the the wife. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, because I I love to listen to stories, but for a ride, I would go with the driver. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess I would like to go with the deaf mute girl, but it would be really difficult. We would need two translators. So it's probably I will go with the driver also, but but the dead wife is a good it's a good, good thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Maybe even if we could have her dead in the bar, even better. Okay. Uh, okay. And second question. And proper ghost stories. A proper ghost story. Yeah, yeah. And second question: uh, Do you see the film winning an Oscar, Tom? Um, I I I'm not massively invested in awards in general but i would like to see it uh internationally recognized and if an oscar is a better way for that to happen which obviously it would be then sure yeah i i it, it's sort of what we said at the beginning where it's like i'm glad that it's got the attention that it has i'm hopeful that it will pave the way for sort of much wider distribution of more Japanese films, especially sort of contemporary Japanese films. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, why not? Like, it's as worthy. It's as worthy as any other in the category. I feel. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, I never care very much about Oscars, but I definitely would like in the film to 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 win something because you know it's. Uh, Open the way, you know, as Parasite did more for Asian movies, but uh, but I can actually see see it uh, winning something. Definitely, is gonna win something. Yes. Um. Well, I think so. It's nominated for four Oscars right now, right? And I, I think it definitely has higher chances of winning international feature film, but if there's anything I would love for it to win, it'll be the writing adapted screenplay, because I think it is, as Adriana said, just really, really well written for a film. Um, will it win Best Picture though, like Parasite did? I, I think the chances of that happening, of an Asian international movie winning that for two years, not in a row, but in the last five years, um, is very slim, so I, I think that will be very difficult. Martin? Well, actually what Grace said, uh, and at the moment I'm kind of um, 
writing for, for my job I'm writing uh, about uh, Oscars and Oscar chances uh, so I think it's gonna win it's pretty much locked that it will win uh, best international feature uh, since it's the the best of the bunch and the most ambitious of the bunch and the film with the most buzz of the bunch um so i think it's it's pretty much a short thing it deserves oscar for uh, adopted screenplay and uh, nominations in best director and and uh, and best picture are pretty much you know like honorary mm. honorary nominations they they it does not stand much chance because the greatest battle this year is between the power of the dog and belfast so ah, you think so not licorice pizza I would oh. love to, but uh, the Academy likes Anderson enough to nominate him, not to actually award him. Why well, they I adore Kenneth Branagh, I guess. Yeah, Licorice Pizza, I think, also didn't make as much of a splash on awards as I thought it would either. So, hmm. yeah. Well, okay. And on, on that note, that's it for this week. This was Asian Movie Pals Talks. Uh, if you like this, these conversations, you can subscribe to our channel. We're going to have another show. So, okay, whatever this thing is next week. And uh, we don't know what about it yet, but there will be something. So from me, Panos, Tom, Adriana, Grace, and Marco, have a nice evening and see you next week again. Bye.